0: talked about this ad nauseum before we even had these numbers just the eye test can tell you this team plays more disciplined than you they play more efficient than you and that's the mike Rabel-way. welcome into the hot read podcast i'm your host easton Fries director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com we are also brought to you by the 440 podcast network I am joined, as always, on this Thursday, which is a new one for us. We don't have many Thursday shows during the year, but with a uh, Thursday night football game featuring the Titans, we are obliged to do a early preview show, and that's what we're here to do. I'm joined by producer JT, as I always am. JT, how has your – it's been, what, two, two days since we've last recorded?
1: Yeah, it's been good. Good couple of days. Busy week for us here on the Hot Read Podcast, of course. Yes with this Thursday game, which you are listening to this on the morning of this game. So happy Thursday. can't wait to watch a good one up in Lambo between the Titans and the Packers. And of course, before we get into this, I, I just gotta say, Easton, we've been talking a little bit on the outside. and I think we just you owe it to your viewers. We have a bone to pick with the tight end position.
0: We I, think- I do. I have a bone to pick with the tight end. Well no, no, we have we have a bone to pick with the tight end position. But our our takes are different, and so we need to argue about this out in the open. And this was a a take. So transparency. JT and I are in. uh, We share a fantasy league together with some other friends of ours. One of the leagues that I'm in. um, And I was talking with the group chat today, just in frustration about the tight end position in fantasy. If you play fantasy, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Tight ends. Um have become a disaster position there are like at any one time about five reasonable startable fantasy tight ends and everybody else is just up a creek begging and praying for a guy who can give them double digit points any given Sunday I I feel like I saw something on Twitter to the to the tune of Taysom Hill in half PPR being tight end six and he scored nine collective points in the last three weeks combined. Um, And that just goes to show how horrible, fantasy-wise, the tight end position is across the league. It's like Kelsey and Kittle and Andrews, and then it gets really rough really fast. Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard, and then it gets even more rough really fast. And I just, I, so Zach Lyons, a football and other F-words, He's the one that that I first heard this take from back before this season began. And at the time, I thought, bad take. I disagree with him. I, if Zach is listening to this, which I don't think that he is, if, if I knew that he was, I wouldn't compliment him because I don't want him to... It, Lord knows his ego does not need any more boosting than it already has gotten. But I don't think he's listening. So um, I'll, I'll regretfully agree with him and boost his ego a little bit. I think that it's a good take. JT vehemently disagrees with me. I think that the tight end position on the roster in fantasy leagues should be done away with if, and until tight ends in the league, stop being bad at fantasy. I think that they, there should be two flex positions and not a flex and a tight end, because it's so ridiculous that over half the league on any given Sunday does not have a, a tight end. Essentially they don't have, they're basically taking a between zero and five points, in the tight end position. It feels like while others are getting 10, 20, 30 from the three or four guys, they're the best jt thinks that i'm crazy for this jt you disagree
1: i i do and my my really my rebuttal to this is draft better it it really is (laughs) the the great thing about the tight end and which i why i love it so much now this is because i love the tight end position i have good tight ends unlike you over here who
0: i gave you a good tight end and i have one he's on ir i have a tight end better than yours technically
1: by the way this this whole debate started because the host of this show has has started Taysom Hill. <laughs> no, no, the last three weeks that. we don't need to talk about that. But I digress. The the tight end position in fantasy football as this take most is all of you born of me know,
0: just being frustrated with Taysom Hill. To be entirely, it is
1: such here. a positional advantage. If if you want it, you don't have to have it. But if you want to have the use the draft capital early in a football fantasy football draft. To go get one of those top guys, then I think it's all for it. I think you should have a position just for them because it rewards the people who, hey, I'm going to take this guy who is really good at his position. Not maybe not like technically his position because Lord knows Travis Kelsey can't block. Or <laughs> I'm going that's guys, what's so
0: frustrating who, is that guys don't get any any credit for the fact that some tight ends are literally glorified receivers and some are literally linemen into that i say if,
1: if you want if you want to see it produce in your fantasy lineup then draft one early there's three there's three <laughs> different there's three different categories you can you can take the pick in the first and second round and you can take an andrews you can take a kelsey you can go in a third round and you can be stupid for the second year in a row and take pits and i'm sure people will do it once again <laughs> next year or you can say okay let me use one of these sixth or seventh round picks where I could get maybe a wide receiver two or something, and let me get a tight end who's going to produce on a week-to-week basis. <clears throat> I just think that the tight end has carved out a role for himself, not in like this player is going to get you, win you every week, but I think as a roster construction, it, it's it's a pivotal part of the roster.
0: Here's here's my compromise, and ultimately I agree. My take is born of frustration with my crappy tight ends that I've had. Now, the good news is I'll get over it soon because I have David Njoku, and he's going to come back, and he was good before he got hurt, but I, I won't go into any more detail because you don't care about my fantasy league. Um, I, I get that. You shouldn't <laughs> care about my fantasy league. Um, but I think that the compromise here is because so many different tight ends don't get nearly as much share of the passing game I think that their PFF blocking grade should be taken into account. I think you should take every tight end's PFF blocking grade, divide by 10, and then add those points to the total. So listen, if Jeff Swaim catches one pass for five yards and gets you one point in your PPR league, but he had an 87 blocking grade from PFF, just had a day blocking on the line with the big boys. Listen, that's a 9.7 point week for jeff swain that is a viable <laughs> tight end all of a sudden that is my compromise but ultimately ultimately the solution to this and i don't i don't like if i had it my way i wouldn't get rid of the tight end position i would just have the tight ends in the nfl not suck at fantasy the nfl teams should be like if you ever played on a co-ed softball team where they force you to put a girl every three people in the lineup nfl teams should be required to complete one pass to a tight end on every touchdown scoring drive we equity forced by rule that, that is my solution that is my solution all right enough, enough oh, tight end fantasy talk
1: i was just gonna say let it the viewers the loyal listeners let us know what you think of the tight end position yeah and let us
0: know if you if you agree with you do you think Easton's
1: absolutely insane because i think he is <laughs>
0: listen i think we can all agree that the tight end position is frustrating in fantasy the solutions are are wide and varied if you have a solution please reach out to us dm us or tweet us speaking of dming us or tweeting us we asked some certain people to dm us or tweet us on the episode last week um i don't want to get to it now because i want i I don't want to front load the episode with all of our shenanigans we'll put some (laughs) on the back end here um so but we 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 asked anybody last week It was or not last week, excuse me, on Monday, last show, two days ago. If they were listening to this show and they hadn't seen the Titans game and they were some sicko that for some reason was relying on us to inform them about what happened, um, I asked them to DM us or tweet us. And we got two responses that I want to talk about later. So don't let me close the show, JT, without talking about those two. Um, I'll pull those up after the news segment. But today's show, because you're getting this first thing Friday – or. Excuse me, Thursday morning. Um, and the game is, if you're listening to this at 8 a.m., the game is in less than 12 hours. So this show is not going to be relevant for very long. And thus, we're not going to put a, we're going to put plenty of effort into it. We're not going to make it nearly as long as the other shows because there's not as much to talk about. We're going to have a show for you on Friday, a recap to the Packers game, of course. And that will be a more normal episode. We'll do the Best Bet Gauntlet and Titans news and probably a winners and losers segment as well. Today, we just want to talk about some things before this Titans-Packers game on Thursday Night Football. Preview some things. I have some thoughts on some things that I I have been reading about and seeing online this week regarding the Titans. So we'll just do 30 minutes or so is what I'm guesstimating how long this will take. Um, I, I have a couple of things to show. If you are listening to this show via podcast, thank you very much. However... We are a YouTube show now as well. There's a video version. You can see our gorgeous faces that match our gorgeous dulcety tones. Um, And so it's much better in video form. And on days like today, we've got quite a bit of show and tell. Some charts to show you. Some videos we're going to play. The injury reports will be uh, on the video form as well. We've got video enhancements now. It's very pretty. It's very nice. And you won't truly get the full breadth of the show unless you're watching on video. So... If you want to listen right now because you're up and about doing something, showering, driving, working, whatever, fine. No worries. We appreciate you listening. But if you have a chance to watch, go over to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. Just search up Broadway Sports Media. You will find us and you will find not just this show but the Mike Herndon show as well, which should be out at some point today on Thursday. We recorded it early as well. And the Football and Other F-Words show will be on the YouTube as well each week. um, We'll have some more video content coming in addition to those things in the near future so that's exciting but yeah watch the video to get the full version of the show let's talk about some of these things i want to start where to start let's let's talk about this titans packers game from a 10,000 foot view this game is going to first of all bring up memories i think for any titans fan older than a, a couple of years old Um, of recent Titans Packers games, which when you go back and you look at the game logs have been blowouts three games in a row. There have been blown out, blow. There have been blowouts going back and forth in 2012. The Packers killed the Titans in 2016. I believe there was one of those Mario to magic games, um, when they had some running backs going crazy, uh, DeMarco Murray in particular, I believe was the back that had a huge game that. Weekend, the Titans killed the Packers, I think, here in Nashville. And then the last time they played in twenty, the end of the season, 2019, I believe, um, or 2020. It was the very end of one of their playoff run years. They played up in Lambeau uh, at the end of December, and it was snowing and it was a disaster. The Titans got beat something like 40-14. to 14. That was a game, if you remember, really the only memorable Titans offensive play was one of the patented Tannehill fakes to Henry up the middle keeper around the end off tackle. And he went for like 60 yards through the snow right after half on the, I believe the opening drive of the this third quarter, which gave all Titans fans hope that the game was not over. It was over. The Packers then scored 10,000 points and killed all your hopes and dreams. But that game also, if you remember it in any detail, you'll know that it felt kind of fluky because of the snow, the Packers players weren't really losing their footing. They seemed to know what they were doing. Titans players were sliding around all over the place like a Southern Alabama mom trying to drive through an ice storm in Michigan. It was a disaster. And so <clears throat> I don't think that's going to be the case. Obviously, the uh, weather's a little bit nicer because we're seeing the Titans play in Lambeau earlier in the year. It's going to be, last I checked, hanging around the mid to upper 20s. So it's going to be nice and cold, but we've not seen the cold necessarily impact the Titans in a negative way before they've won plenty of cold games. It's really the elements that have thrown them off in the past. Uh, really bad rain game last year against the Texans, for example, as well as that snow game example from a couple of years ago. It's going to be dry. So that's the good news for the Titans. They can handle the cold. It's going to be dry. So it should be a nice, perfect Lambo evening for a football game. And this is, I, I feel like, and JT, I want to get your opinion on this. I feel like these are pretty well-matched teams. I think the Titans are a better team, but not by much. And I feel like the matchup is pretty even. These are two teams that have struggled to pass the ball this year. Um, The real big difference is on defense. The Titans' defense is significantly better than the Packers. But the Titans' run offense and the Packers' run offense are really what their coaches at least want to be, the foundation of these teams moving the ball offensively. Packers, of course, don't have a Derrick Henry, but they have a very nice two-headed monster in A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, which I expect to give the Titans a bit of a test in this game. And the Titans' run defense has been phenomenal. I'm talking to Mike Herndon on his show when we recorded earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday night, by the way. Talking about he went back and tracked Titans' rushing yards allowed on defense since week two, excluding... Any quarterback runs so essentially taking out all the yards that Patrick Mahomes gained taking out all the yards that um well I guess he was really the only quarterback in that stretch that ran all over them Josh Allen ran all of the all over them in week two but I believe he excluded that statistic and they were only allowing something like 45 yards to running backs in the run game per game which is insanity I'd expect this game to be a little bit better for their opposition running the ball because they have a much better run game. This Packers offensive line has done a much better job run blocking this year than they have pass blocking. Again, very similar to the Titans. Titans pass rush is going to be able to get home in this game. Their their offensive line has been shoddy to say the least in pass protection. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to get the ball out quickly, which he, as a you know a pro, very much a seasoned veteran pro, he's going to be able to do that. But it's going to force the issue a bit in the passing game. And I'm interested to see. We'll get to the injury report a little bit later in the show when we get to the news with JT. But I feel like it doesn't matter all that much who does and doesn't play, at least on the defensive front, on the pass rushing front. And that's frankly due to the evidence we were given on Sunday. Just a few short days ago, we saw this team roll out granted against a depleted Denver offensive line however as we said this this Packers offensive line is not fantastic either we saw them roll out all all but four or five uh, backups on the defensive front they started the game with just six starters or excuse me six starters out just five starters in the starting lineup and at one point they only had three starters in the game for a little bit there so They've got phenomenal depth. We covered that at length in Monday's show. I want to talk about one guy who we may or may not have a special piece coming to Broadwaysportsmedia.com next week about. Stay tuned on that. But Mario Edwards Jr. joined this team, signed off the Jaguars practice squad on September 26th. He has more pressures right now. And I've I have not checked how many games this is through, but he's not played the whole year. I'd imagine he's only played in, four or five games, and even less than that if you're counting the games in which he got meaningful snaps. He has 22 pressures on the year so far, and that's more than Quiddy Pay, Robert Quinn, Frank Clark, or former Titan great Jadavian Clowney, and he is hilariously, as noted by Mike Herndon, who's the one who pulled this stat, just two pressures behind Jaguars' number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker, despite playing in four fewer games than him. So it sounds like he's played in five or six games this year. Astounding. And he's not the only one. The Titans have had a number of guys step up on the defensive front. And in the pass rush, I mean, Dylan Cole at inside linebacker has been surprisingly good. I think that he has quietly been the most improved Titan on the roster from last year to this year by a significant margin. I mean, he looks like a very viable starter. Monty rice also at linebacker played meaningful snaps quietly against Denver. Looked serviceable, looked good back from his injury, back in the actual defensive rotation and and not doing special teams duty to get warmed back up into the rotation. He's going to continue to be a piece as long as Zach Cunningham is on IR and as long as David Long continues to be banged up. Now, the good news is, and we'll get to this at the injury report, looks like David Long's going to be good to go. So that's great because Titans fans, I don't know if you truly appreciate the linebacker you have in David Long. He has been fan-freaking-tastic this year. He is I mean, the size can fool you, but don't let it. He is a Fred Warner light out there. He flies around more than any other linebacker in the league. Truly, you cannot name five linebackers in the league right now playing at a higher level than David Long Jr. is. He's fantastic, and the Titans need to keep him out there. Let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball. Let's talk about the Titans' offense, particularly their run game. But we, I pulled up this... Chart from, um, let's see, JT, if you wouldn't mind throwing up the images here and go to the second slide. This chart from, um, uh, yes, rbsdm.com, their statistics page. They do a fantastic job with these charts that are, are customizable and easy to pull up. This is the passing and rushing defense chart. And if you've been on Twitter at all this week, then you've seen this. And if you're listening and you want to see it, go to YouTube. You can check out the video. This is the chart through week 10 of all the passing and rushing defenses in the league based on their drop back EPA. So their passing EPA per play on the X axis, and then their rush EPA per play allowed on the Y axis. And these are defenses. So this is deep, basically run defense and pass defense charted. You see each team. And so the quadrants are bad, bad all around defense, Good all around defense, and then on the upper right hand or upper left hand side, you've got the good, good run defenses, bad pass defenses, and then on the opposite quadrant, you have the bad pass defenses, good run defenses. And so, excuse me, good pass defenses, bad run defenses. Look at the chart, it's a lot more simple than me trying to explain it out loud. The point here being, if you take a peek at where the Packers are right here. And this was prompted, me find, me looking this up, by a Buck Rising tweet earlier today on Wednesday morning asking for one of his uh, show polls what the Titans' greatest advantage over the Packers is. Well, you pull up this chart, and if you look at it for more than five seconds, you realize it's very evident. It's Derrick Henry. If you look at where the Packers are in this chart, they're an above-average drop-back EPA per play team. So they're an above-average team defending the pass. Not great news for a Titans team that struggled to pass the ball, but they are a basement dweller team in terms of defending the run. They are on par, just barely above, but just barely, inconsequentially above, the Houston Texans. I shouldn't need to remind you what this Titans run offense did to the Texans run defense the the last time they saw them, and the last time they saw them, and the last time they saw them And the last time they saw them. If this Packers run defense is anything like that, and if you watched the Packers-Cowboys game last Sunday, then you know Cowboys were running on the Packers at will at times. This should be a game that the Titans can control when they are on offense and have the ball in their hands. They should be able to dictate the terms, the pace of this football game. You also look at the rest of this chart and you quickly realize And the rest of the Titans' schedule, just looking ahead a little bit here, really advantageous towards what they do best and what they clearly want to do most, running the ball. Let's look at who they have left on their schedule. Let's see the Packers. okay? They're a good pass defense, bad run defense. The Bengals, even better pass defense, but a below-average run defense. The Eagles... A very good, very good pass defense. But even worse than the Packers and the Texans. 31st in the league, only only better than the Browns defending the run. The Cowboys are just below average as a run-defending team, but they're a very above-average top four pass-defending team in the league. So those four, Packers, Bengals, Eagles, Cowboys, all four of them, from below average to awful, in defending the run, the thing that the Titans eat the most on. And they're all for above average to elite defending the pass. And then the Titans already don't do well, so it shouldn't bode well. I'd, I'd bet the unders in the passing game in those games. But frankly, do you think Mike Vrabel cares all that much? If 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 you told him, hey, on Sunday, Mike, if if I gave you the option to play against a team that was really good defending The run, but they will let anything go through the air or, or you can play against a team that they, they are going to shut you down with their safeties in their corners. You're not going to be able to pass the ball, but you can run on them all day long. You know which choice he's picking and it's not close and it's the same each and every week. He wants to out physically you. He wants his team to be bigger, badder, stronger, Tougher, grittier than you. And he has built his team around that. And he's built a team that is that on most Sundays. It's how they win incessantly, over and over and over. They're six and three, despite being the worst and one of the worst offenses in the league by many metrics right now. Doesn't matter. Mike Rabel wins because his philosophy, his team building allows for a team that, as we've talked about on this show many times, breaks many norms. Looking at other teams on the Titans schedule coming up, the Jaguars. Well, yikes, they're kind of the opposite. So that, that'll that be different. Maybe harder for King Henry in that game. They're a above average, pretty good run defense. However, they are a below average, quite bad passing defense. So that's good news. Maybe the Titans game can get the passing game can get get hot in those two Jaguars games. But also, I should need to remind you, which team in the NFL does Derrick Henry historically own more than any other? It's his hometown team of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So will it really matter that they're slightly above average as a rushing team? We will see. And then there's two teams left. The Titans face that are just bad defenses all around one. We've already seen them face. It's the Texans. That shouldn't be a problem for them. The Texans are a bottom three defense in the entire league. Then the chargers and you know, the chargers went and spent a ton of money in this offseason on guys to bolster that defense went and spent a bunch of money on a, defensive lineman went and spent a bunch of money on a new cornerback from New England, spent a bunch of money extending their star safety. Hasn't mattered. They continue to be a turnstile, especially in the run game. They are the only, the only team the Titans face that is worse than them defending the run for the rest of the year is the Eagles. They are a bottom three run defending team, and they are below average as well, just barely, granted, in the drop back. Defending the pass. So, all of that is to say, the Titans overall defensive schedule remaining very nice. Very nice. So, if this offense is going to find its stride down the stretch, if they're going to get into a rhythm before the postseason push, which any good team in the postseason gets hot around this time, November and December, it is nut cutting time out here in the NFL. It's time to put up or shut up. And y- 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 however hot you've been in October and September, you got to be hotter than that. You can't trend the wrong direction this time of year. The Titans offense has the perfect opportunity through the back half-ish of their schedule here to get going, especially, especially in the department that they value most in the run game. So I found that fascinating. It also led me to spiral into looking at Derrick Henry tangentially, talking about how well Derrick Henry might do against these teams. Looking at how many yards he has, what kind of pace he's on and what kind of record breaking pace he might could reach. So currently through nine games, Derrick Henry has 923 yards. Now last week against the Broncos, and I I don't want to guesstimate. I have the, the, the numbers right here. He only managed 53 yards on 19 carries. And when everybody saw that statistic, they probably thought, well, okay, well, you know, before this game, after the Texans game, there was some talk about you know Derrick Henry. Not only is he back, he may he may go back to back two thousand. He might just do it. He's I mean he's Derrick Henry after all. It seems possible. Well, in this past game, only managing fifty yards felt like oh okay maybe let's hey let's pump the brakes on that take just a little bit. I'm here to tell you you may not have to pump the brakes. Um, through nine games, nine hundred and twenty three yards. That means that Derrick Henry would need one thousand and seventy seven more in his final eight games. That comes out to an average of about 135 yards per game. He needs to run for around 135 yards a game in the remaining eight games to eclipse 2,000 for the second time to become the first running back in NFL history to have two 2,000-yard seasons and to all but punch his ticket into the Hall of Fame. For reference, in 2020, when he did go for 2,027 yards to be exact, with one fewer game on his schedule, mind you. In 2020, he had 946 yards through nine games. So at this point in his 2,000-yard season, he only had 23 more yards than he currently has at that same benchmark. He averaged over his final nine games in that season 148 yards per game. Now, he had to average quite a bit more to eclipse 2,000 because he had one less game to play in. All of that is to say... If he stays healthy, based on Derrick Henry's trajectory in the past, what, JT, three years in a row now, the way that he gets hot around this time of year, it's absolutely not out of the question against these very bad run defenses that he's going to have coming up. Another 200-burger possibility against the Texans. They're sitting out there. They're there for the taking. If Derrick Henry can stay healthy a second 2,000-yard season, Unlikely, still, it's unlikely regardless of the circumstances, but certainly not out of the realm of possibility. And I find that very interesting. The last thing, uh, sorry, forgot. Second to last thing that I find interesting before we get to the news. JT, pull up our images again. Let's go to the first slide. This is another image that, a chart rather, of data that had been floating around Twitter quite a bit this week. And I just, it has to be highlighted. We've done a lot of positive Titans talk on this episode so far. Here's a little bit negative. This is the pass protection ratings. It's a—it's an aggregate grade put together, combining, averaging, each team's PFF blocking grade, pass blocking in particular, as well as their ESPN pass blocking grade. The Titans come not just in the last in the league, 32nd overall, They come in dead last. If you aren't looking at this image right now, the grades are on a color gradient, blues. The, The best team is a dark navy blue. The worst team is a very faint baby blue, nearly a white. The gradient goes very smoothly all the way down, all the way down the chart. Keeps getting lighter and lighter, but ever so slightly until you get to the Colts at 31st. They have a 26 score. So the last couple of grades... A 34 for Washington, 31 for the Bengals, 29, 28, 26 for the Colts. And you get to the Titans, and the gradient turns white all of a sudden. You go from 26 to 7. 7. Those last couple grades went 38, 37, 34, 31, 29, 28, 26, 7. Holy smokes! And it gets worse. It gets worse than that. Let's okay. Let's check the two grades that they combined. Where where did they get a seven from? All right, ESPN gives them a twenty-two. Oh, so based on ESPN's grade, actually, they're not the worst. There's a couple of teams on this list that are worse than them. Well, let's check out PFF. They've been doing this longer, right? Oh, PFF gives them a zero. A, a, a zero grade on pass blocking. I had somebody ask me on Twitter. Is that, are we sure that's right? How's that pot? How can you get a zero? They're not getting sacked every single play. Now, to be fair, I think that these grades are given out on a zero to 100 scale. The best team is automatically given 100. So the Ravens have 100, their PFF score. The Titans, the worst team, got a zero. And I think all the other teams are slotted in between there on a scale. They use those as the goalposts. Makes sense. Kind of unfair for the teams to get 100 and, and zero, but those are the benchmarks. Needless to say, PFF feels very confident that your Tennessee Titans are the worst pass-blocking team in the league. And if you've watched them at all this year, I'm not sure how you could argue with them. We've seen how bad the Colts' pass defense has been. It got Matt Ryan benched, probably got Frank Reich fired, and it probably sent our buddy, old crazy uncle Jim Ursay back into remission. But the Titans... Have somehow been dramatically worse than them. Dramatically. Is this Titans offensive line going to get better? This is the question. And it's, it's on the surface a wishful question because it's like, uh, you're halfway through the season, the personnel's the personnel. What do you mean? Like, they're not, no, they're not going to get better. Obviously not. But then if you know anything about the Titans' history as a team, then you know, hang on a second. The Titans' offensive line coach is Keith Carter. Okay. Keith Carter is a really good coach. He is. And historically, over the last three, four, five seasons he's been here in Tennessee, his offensive lines have always started very slow, kind of like Derrick Henry, but even more dramatic and and more uh, patient throughout the season. You have to be more patient, that is, because these offensive lines of the Titans over the past couple of years, many times have started out the year, bottom 15, bottom 10, bottom five in the entire league, especially in pass protection, because the Titans have never been a passing team. They've been a running team. Throughout the season, though, these offensive lines have gotten dramatically better. Not great, but they've gotten above the halfway point, above league average in both run and pass blocking, and that's been a a credit to Keith Carter and his coaching staff. Are we thinking that this is going to be the case this year? Maybe. I, I feel like we've said these things before about the Titans, where... Uh, guys, this is the personnel. It's not getting better. It's fair. It's it's not. This is Dennis Daly. I'm here to tell you, as much as I have, I shouted from the rooftops for a, um, for a month before I finally shut up about how Dennis Daly has to go do anything else. It's futile. They're not going to. He is what they think is their best option, which is just a scathing indictment of how bad their options are. Horrible. It's all they've got. There's no more trading. There's no more guys to elevate from within. This is who they're rolling with. Oh, and by the way, they'll be rolling with one less starter. We'll get to that in the news on on this Thursday Night Football. Uh, uh, Ben Jones will not be playing. But this Titans offensive line, on one hand, I guess I'm, I'm floundering a bit here because, frankly, I'm trying to come to a conclusion, and usually a conclusion is an answer, and there's not an answer here, is there? There's not. This offensive line It would be hard for them to get much worse. You can't get worse than a zero. They're at a seven right now, this conglomerate grade. They don't have much room to go any lower. But can they get much better? As a run-blocking team, I think that they can get healthier, and I think that they can get better. If Ben Jones gets back from his concussion and is healthy and good to go down the stretch, if Nate Davis continues to get better, and since coming back from his injury, he's quietly been not all that great in these past couple of games. So you'd imagine he's going to keep getting better as long as that injury continues to heal, which is a big if. Nicholas petit should continue to get better as a rookie. He still has many rookie mistakes, and that's going to continue to go down with more and more experience. And then that left-hand side of the line with, with Dennis Daly and Aaron Brewer. And, I mean, they're both veterans. I, I don't see any world in which that gets dramatically better. I think that's just what it is, and they're going to continue to have to play Jeff Swaim as a bonus left tackle on a regular basis, which is a bonus to all of you, Jeff Swaim, Jeff Swaim haters out there that don't want him to see the field. There is, there is no reality in which he does not continue to play a bunch of snaps because they have to have him blocking him and Kevin Rader tight end for the Titans. You may not even know exists. They've got to have those guys in there, but I think that this can get marginally better. I don't see it getting much better than out of the twenties in like, I think that, you know, ranked 21st overall is like the best case scenario for this team. That's that's my take on it. Really, I just wanted to to harp on how bad this line has been, and, and I don't have an answer for you, but it is something to watch. The last thing that I want us to talk about before we get to the news and then we get out of here is this segment from – ESPN's NFL, I believe it's NFL daily JT. Do you know the name of the show? And uh, it's their And it's their NFL flagship show. It's with Mina Kimes NFL
1: live or something like that. I NFL
0: think. live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. NFL live with, with um, Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes and um, a, a bunch of their NFL personalities are on the show, kind of in a ro- rotation, Marcus Spears. Um, they put out a segment, I believe it was yesterday, but I could be mistaken this week. At some point, they, Talked for about 10 minutes, and it was a clip going around Twitter quite a bit, so much so that I wanted to break it up and us to listen to a little bit of it on the show and talk about how if you are a Titan fan and you listen to this video, there is no way that you don't listen to this and think, oh, they ESPN, did, did they accidentally or intentionally, secretly get Mike Vrabel's football manifesto? because what they're talking about these trends in the NFL right now revolving around the run game and the pass game and how defensive fronts are needing to be built is precisely what Mike Vrabel believes in as a football coach precisely how he coaches his team and precisely how he and GM John Robinson build this football team now whether it's for right or for wrong there there's criticisms both ways but the trends in the NFL that they're about to talk about and we're going to I've split this clip up we're not going to listen to all 10 minutes of it, but we're going to listen to four segments of it. JT, let's play this first one. Orlovsky is going to lay out some of these trends for us.
2: What's happening in the league isn't necessarily attached to their ability to throw the football. Really the most dominant aspect of theme-wise going on in the NFL now is return of the run game. Marcus Spears is going to love this one. So we're going to start here. Right now, league-wide average this season in 2022. Yards per completion is at 11 yards. Look at this number for home. That's the lowest since 1933. We're talking 90 years. That's the first year they started playing playoff games. So every completion in the NFL is the lowest amount in 90 years. So what's that mean for the run game? Overall, the league is averaging four and a half yards per carry. That's the highest in NFL history. Think about that. Completions are down run game. at it least as average is all the way up. So what's that doing? The league-wide scoring average is 21.8. 8 That's the lowest in 13 seasons. What we're seeing right now in the nfl even though these talent quarterbacks are wildly talented is the importance of running the football being committed to doing it doing it well and that's really shaping how well your football team can win and play games offensively not how far the quarterback can throw the football so marcus from the
0: i'm gonna stop it there right there out of the gate that should make you think oh So Titans football in 2022 is trending in the direction of winning football. The Titans, one of the only remaining, it feels like a rare breed, an endangered species of teams that are run-centered, run-focused, run, they revolve around the run game. They don't just run hard, but they build to run. It's the Titans, it's the Ravens, it's the Browns, To an extent, it's the Colts. To an extent, it's the Steelers, but not really because Najee Harris has been kind of a bust. To an extent, it's the Texans. To an extent, it's the Niners. But there's really only three or four teams in the league at this point, and the Titans being one of the main ones, if not the main one, that you look at their offensive roster, and it's like, oh, these guys, they don't just run the ball well. They are built to run the ball, and that's what they do. Let's play the second clip
3: but how
2: have D lines affected what these offenses are doing?
4: You know, I go back to when you and I were covering SEC Network and I had a conversation with Nick Saban about how differently he had to start recruiting because of the way offense was morphing into athletes in space and quarterbacks getting the ball out of their hands quickly. And you had to have big, you had to have dudes that were athletic enough to pursue from behind and You had to have long, rangy linebackers in order to cover these tight ends who were now being ushered into offenses as being premier guys, as we still see with Travis Kelsey, and obviously talking about Goddard who just got injured. When I was even in the league, your D tackles were three fifty; they were space eaters. They were to—they were our job. Even when I was playing in a three-four with Bill Parcells, our job was to absorb offensive linemen so linebackers could run free. Right? That was the way you stopped the run. Now, today, you got Aaron Donald playing D tackle at 275, mm. who can backdoor and is fast enough at times to get down the line of scrimmage to get it back on the ground. But oh, when you miss, Oof. it's a gap the size that you could drive a bus through. So now what we're seeing a part of this run game, one, you don't practice it enough. I've been telling you that. Two, you don't have the guys physically that can sustain 40 runs a game. They're just not built like that anymore. I eat to your point. Why do you think that when Jordan Davis is on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles, the run game is minuscule as opposed to him.
0: So that was fascinating to me because not only did they talk about the offensive side of the ball for the Titans there at the beginning, or not talk about the Titans in particular, but they talked to the Titans strengths. Then they talk about, how teams are having to alter their defensive philosophy up front in order or how they will have to alter their defensive philosophy up front in order to make up for the fact that the run game is tearing everybody apart it's it's a it's a pendulum like many things like politics in America for example anything that swings one way is bound to come swinging back the other way eventually and that's what we're seeing with the passing versus the running game dichotomy In the NFL, the past game, how long have we been talking about how this is a passing league? Since since JT and I were born, it's been trending towards and continues to become a passing league. Well, here we are in 2022, and passing is down a 90-year low, and running efficient, these are efficiency stats, running efficiency is up to an all-time high. Four and a half yards per carry is good for a third down every single every single set of downs, but it's a third and one. And that's that's infinite first downs. That's touchdowns all day. Uh, statistically speaking, Marcus Spears there, some interesting insight into how back in the day, and, and he's right about this, of course, the defensive front used to be just big bodies. Like he said, space eaters. That used to be a word that the Mel Kuypers of the world would throw around regularly during draft time. It'd be about like, well, this guy, D-tackle, phenomenal in the run game, massive, six four three twenty he's a space eater you don't hear that anymore you hear about guys like he said that are quick fast big bodied guys but they're lean athletes right they have to adjust to be able to contend with these offensive athletes in space you got to get the you know the bud Duprees and the Rashawn weavers of the world uh, rashad weavers of the world in there that are these bigger guys but can run these guys down you, you got to get the Aaron Donalds or the ideal body type, right? Like 260, 270, six foot, six 70. They're, they're big. They got a low center of gravity. They've got the leverage to contend in the run game, but they are athletes like everybody else on the field. That's led to when you build teams entirely around that philosophy, that body type, that athlete type, it leads to you just simply not being able to contend with the run game, especially up the middle. And they're about to talk about the specifics. Mina Kimes is going to come in and talk about the specifics of what kind of runs, in particular, are working so well. But when when they're talking there about, when Marcus Spears talks about the fact that these teams used to build on big defensive tackles, big defensive linemen, and they don't league-wide anymore, it led me to go look at the Titans' depth chart and see some sizes and some heights and some weights because I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, I feel like that's kind of the way that this type, because we talked about this, right? The Titans defense, phenomenal, phenomenal in the run game. How, what are they doing so well this year when the rest of the league collectively is struggling more to defend the run than they literally ever have? How are they so efficient in the run defense while everybody else is so inefficient. Well, let's look at some sizes here. Okay, you've got Jeffrey Simmons, D tackle, 6'4, 305. You've got Demarcus Walker, 6'4, 280. Thierry Tartt, 6'2, 304. Naquan Jones, 6'3, 313. All of these guys, Mario Edwards, 6'3, 280. The smallest guy on here is 6'3", 6'4", and 280 pounds. And they've got a handful of 300-pounders in Tierra Tart and Jeffrey Simmons that they love to set down right in the middle and space eat. And they complement those guys who, not to to discredit their athletic ability, these guys are freaky athletes. They break the mold. They do both things at a competent level. They complement that with guys like Rashad Weaver at 6'4", 259" developed very well as a bendy outside guy. Harold Landry, same kind of body type, even bendier, even faster. Bud Dupree, same thing, bendy, fast, can set the edge effectively, contain the pocket, compress the pocket, or in the run game, like we're talking about, set that edge and force the runs inside where the space eaters are waiting to eat up all that space and give the running back nowhere to go. That is how they are succeeding on defense, and they are once again playing an old-school game. And again, this is, this is Mike Rabel across the board. Everything he does to his detriment and to his success. We talk about how, why is this Titans team so old-school? They're so New England. They're, so, they're stuck in the 90s. This, this team is stuck in the past. They are so old-school with everything that they do. Well, eventually, old-school works again. In football, we see these things swing back and forth and they're swinging back in the direction of the Titans, and no longer on on this topic in particular right now in the run game on offense and in the way that they're building the defensive line, no longer are they looking like a team stuck in the past, a team stuck behind the rest of the league. Get with the times, man. Be progressive. Build your team the way you're supposed to in 2022. No, now they look like they're ahead of the curve. When it swings back the other way and you're stuck in the past, You are now ahead of the curve when things start coming back your way. And that's how the Titans are finding success, defending the run while the rest of the league isn't. JT, let's play the third clip.
3: (laughs) You know, my first thought was, okay, well, what is quarterback rushing production? How is that factoring into this? And it is a big part of the reason why rushing overall is up. Um, But even when you take out quarterbacks, runs only by running backs are up on early downs. So my second reaction was, why are they running into more light boxes? That's also a league-wide trend. And they weren't up as much. They're up a bit on early downs, but not as much as I thought. What has changed dramatically, and this is what I think is a a pretty big factor, is the types of runs we are seeing on early downs. League-wide. So far this season, outside zone, and inside zone are down. Gap runs are up, and not Whoa. only are they up, guys, they wow. are way more productive on early downs. Look at those numbers on power and counter. Goodness. And if you don't like yards per carry, success rate is also way up. To me, mm-hmm. and I'd love to get, hear sick. your guys' thoughts on this. I have to think this is a response to some of the changes defenses have been making. When Kyle Shanahan and Mike, Sean McVay, and the Shanahan scheme became, you know, more popular in the NFL. You saw more defenses. We talked about this. Leaning on those bare fronts, ways to stop zone runs. And as you guys know, the counter punch, no pun intended, is the counter. Is gap run. So yeah. I'd like to hear if you think that this is a, a schematic change as well and maybe yeah. offenses <laughs> reacting to how defenses reacted to offenses.
0: I want to go back to this point right here. Let's pull it back up, JT. I want to pause it on that chart hey, she pulls up for those of us o- watching. Yep, also- right there. Perfect. So she has a chart if you're just listening to us. 2021, last year, compared to this year, the four different types of run, outside zone, inside zone, zone scheme, and then gap schemes, power and counter. From year to year, last year to this year, outside zone has improved in in run yards per carry efficiency by 0.1 yard. Insignificant. Inside zone, 0.3 yards. Less insignificant, but pretty insignificant. Power it's improved 1.1 yards per carry. Counter 1.2. The gap schemes have improved in efficiency in just one year by over a yard per carry. Now, granted, the Titans, like we said, run the ball like crazy. So they run a lot of zone and gap scheme. And they do more zone than, than gap schemes, like most teams in the NFL. But what do they do a lot of, and what if you've listened to any of the Mike Herndon show film breakdowns, which you should? What have they been doing a lot with a lot of success in recent weeks? They they run power quite a bit because I mean Derrick Henry power, duh. But they've been running counter a ton. And if you don't, if you're not super into football schematics and lingo, whenever you see, just eye test. I I trust that you see these things. Have you noticed how the Titans this year? do a lot of running with the running back in particular away from the direction of the blocking, cutback runs, back end runs, backside tackle runs, these runs where it's the entire line moving left and Derrick Henry cuts to the right into the open space. You have noticed that, haven't you? And you've noticed that those are the runs in which they tend to get these massive eight, 10, 12, 13, 24 yard run plays and, and cut off these chunks at a time in the run game. Because teams have done such a good job adjusting to the success of zone running schemes that they've gotten lazy, poor, behind the eight ball, defending power and counter, defending gap run schemes. And so the Titans, as has the rest of the league, has, have done a fantastic job doing that. And, and even though they do more zone than gap scheme running, because they do more running than anybody else, and because running overall is up in, in efficiency, that is what is is allowing them, frankly, to be more efficient than you. Again, we, we've talked about how the Titans have been outgained in all but one game this year. It hasn't mattered. You know why? Because they've been more efficient than you. We talked about this ad nauseum before we even had these numbers. Just the eye test can tell you this team plays more disciplined than you. They play more efficient than you. And that's the Mike Vrabel way right now. And, and it's working for these Titans. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox. I have officially gone 20 minutes over the amount of time that I said I would take, drink, take a, take a shot. That's what always happens. The day that I tell you this is going to be a 45-minute episode and we and we end 20 minutes in, that's the day I want you to stop listening because that's the day I clearly didn't come with the energy, with the juice, with the preparation. I hope that you found that interesting. I found those things interesting. Kind of a random scattershot um, of ideas from me today, but it's kind of weird midweek. This Packers game, not a whole lot of – details besides what we've already covered. It's gonna be a fascinating one and we'll cover them in much, much more detail on I guess you're listening on Thursday, so on Friday morning in the recap episode. But for now, let's get out of here. Let's talk to JT. JT, you got the Titans news.
1: Let's jump right into this news segment here just to get you kind of with some quick hits to get you prepared for tonight's game. Starting with the injury report, and before we even talk about who's in or who's out tonight, of course, someone who just can't catch a break here in his early, early career, Caleb Farley is going to the IR for seemingly probably the rest of the year, but just he's, a tough... He,
0: he's done. He's done. He's Drake. done
1: for the year. He's done. It, it's a tough break for the for the young kid, and the first-round pick that the Titans spent a lot of capital on
0: yeah it's it's rough um i I mean i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and do the jared stillman take a grave for the guy um that'll leave that gross stuff for him uh frankly it's it's a bummer and we'll be able to talk quite a bit about how this missed draft pick or seemingly missed draft pick impacts the titans as a team and in the team building phase of of uh the year in april Um, But for now, it it sucks for a guy that I feel like, and I got into a spat a little bit with uh, Tyler Rowland over at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter this week just about how we disagree a little bit about Caleb Farley. He has decided that it was a bad pick and that even if Farley had been healthy, his NFL career probably still would have been a bust. I think that's ridiculous and uh, a real logical leap considering he has not really been healthy long enough for him to develop at all you know he, he played a handful of snaps in the early parts of last year at his rookie season before going down with an acl injury came back who knows whether or not he was i mean actually i do know you you go and you look and this guy caleb barley who had four two speed in college getting absolutely dusted by the 4-4 diami brown in the washington game that's all i needed to see to be able to know this guy's acl injury he still doesn't trust that knee he still doesn't have his top gear yet and, and he now with this uh was a, a disc injury i believe with his back a, a disc uh i don't know if it was a fracture or what but it, it sounds like an injury that's gonna last a long time maybe require surgery but nonetheless he's not going to play and that's really unfortunate i think that we'll never truly be able to find out or at least the titans maybe one day for his sake i hope he gets traded one day or you know gets picked up somewhere and maybe gets a chance to reach his full potential but with the titans i don't see him ever being able to show us what he was truly capable of um a phenomenal physical specimen a phenomenal athlete great raw ability that's the reason he was a first-round prospect but his injuries his body has just failed on him at an early age and unfortunately i think the injuries have been what have kept us from truly finding out what his potential was yes for sure
1: uh hopefully we Hope for a strong recovery, and maybe we'll see him out there down the road. But let's focus, shift our focus back onto tonight's game. And let's start with the people who have already been ruled out of this game. Of course, kicker Randy Bullock with a right calf injury, Bud Dupree with his hip injury that has just nagged him for a couple weeks now, Lonnie Johnson with a hamstring, Amani Hooker with a shoulder, and Ben Jones, who could not make it out of the concussion protocol. Easton, of course, a couple of surprises here. And some we could see coming as well. Which players not suiting up impacts this team the most tonight?
0: I mean, it's Ben Jones. Um, we, we, we played a clip, I believe. If not played it, I, I have one on my Twitter. And I, I spoke to him in the locker room on Sunday afternoon after the Denver game. Seemed totally fine. It was, was talking coherently and, and seemed normal and was like every other guy in there. Didn't think anything of it. Um, everybody was surprised to see him pop up on the injury report on Monday with a with a concussion designation. And on a short week like this, with a DNP with a concussion in the protocol, with the Titans in particular, who we know are intentionally slow to get guys back from concussion, it seemed clear from the get go that this guy, wow, okay, I guess he's not playing because it's Corey Levin, next man up at center. And that's what it's going to be. Levin's fine. He'll, he'll be all right. He's, he's not Ben Jones. And. You know the offensive line is going to going to struggle uh, at least a bit with the with the missing ben jones link the kind of the glue of the line that holds them together in the middle as long as Levin can do a decent job communicating with ryan Tannehill, which they have a long history together i don't see that being a big issue necessarily but it's it's a big deal he's one of the best players on this offense and for him not to be in there it makes you wonder if you know you hope they can have him back in nine days after tonight to be able to play against the Bengals at home a couple other guys Bullock is interesting because you know, he injured that calf with like 10 minutes to go before the game in warm-ups on Sunday it was an issue so much so that he wasn't doing kickoffs on Sunday and he only attempted extra points and one made field goal but it was a short one in the locker room he got out of dodge quickly we didn't get to speak to him but he showed up on the injury report DNP all week with a right calf injury, and he was designated as out. So, JT, that means the Titans went and they got Josh Lambeau, baby. Lambo, to come play in Lambeau. I like to think that they made this choice just based on looking at the – just spinning the wheel and looking at the names. I think they made this choice just based on vibes. They didn't actually look into the numbers on Lambeau. You're like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. The name makes sense. Let's roll with him. That's what I want to believe because if you look into the numbers on Lambo, <clears throat> not great not great he's officially going to be kicking at lambeau on thursday night tonight he's an 87.1 career kicker yeah mostly play with the jags yeah but he lost his job after missing his first three field goal attempts last season as well as his as two as excuse me as well as two of his first seven extra points so um he can't really be trusted based on recent evidence to make any kicks and in the lambo frigid air um i don't i don't know i would just say this if you're a titans fan you should be rooting for pay dirt on every drive it should be touchdowns and extra points to be safe with him because the last thing you need is a bunch of field goals needing to be kicked by a guy that just came in and is a fill-in uh in josh lambo bud dupree being out with a hip brutal stinks don't think anybody can be surprised it's been nagging him all year and it continues to get worse and worse i feel like we made it to be to the point where the titans finally put him on ir um, because they're going to want him down the stretch and they have such great depth on the defensive front that they know that they can get away with letting him rest up and get ready for the playoffs wouldn't shock me at all that's the way that they went
1: yeah maybe some lambo magic for the kicker josh lambo how many times can we say lambo in one new segment <laughs> let's look at who is questionable to go in this game there's only two of them but still two big pieces on this defense jeffrey simmons is questionable with an ankle injury but was spotted without his boot today when we're recording this on wednesday so yesterday when you were listening to this but he still <laughs> did not practice and then elijah molden who logged a limited practice followed by a full participation and then a limited on wednesday do you think either of these guys will go
0: i'm more confident that jeffrey simmons goes than elijah molden with molden it's fascinating because when he went out of the game on sunday it was very immediate very abrupt they designated him as a groin injury i believe that's what he had last year slash the beginning of this year that kept him out for so long and so it makes me wonder if he because they were secretive about this if he ended up getting a surgery you know with injuries like that soft tissue injuries like that that have have surgical repair oftentimes there's scar tissue That is tighter than the actual muscle and when you go back into physical activity wherever the injury is on your it happens in your hands in your knees with different ligaments in your legs if you if you really get into it and play at a high level and move at a high level that scar tissue can pop and it's not a bad thing it's it's loosening and loosening back up into its normal um elastic state But it can scare the living crap out of you, and it and it happens quite a bit. And it seems like he didn't say that explicitly, but based on the way that he spoke about it to the media this week, it seems like that's kind of what it was. Talked about it being much more of a scare than a real concern, and that he actually was feeling a lot better and felt like he was going to be ready to go soon. So if he went in this game, wouldn't shock me at all. He was actually full on Tuesday and then limited on Wednesday. So I don't know. On Tuesday was a walkthrough. So I don't know if that necessarily means there was a setback because on Wednesday they were back full practice again. So if he was, you know, injured, could be full for the walkthrough. That doesn't mean he got injured at the walkthrough and then couldn't go full on Wednesday. It just means different type of practice, different level of participation. With Simmons, he did practice li- uh, limited fashion on Tuesday. I, I you can take it as two ways. One. You know, it's a walkthrough. He was limited because he was able to help walk through, but then at the full practice, they didn't want him out there on that ankle. Maybe, maybe. Um, And maybe that means that he, you know, they they feel good enough about him going, and he feels good enough about going. He says that he's going to be back soon. Again, he didn't say when exactly. It could also mean that, you know, maybe he did go out there and test it on Tuesday and decided, ah, it's just not happening. It's not happening, and then he's going to sit. I feel like the temp- Titans are going to be tempted again because the replacement level guys to fill in for Simmons did such a phenomenal job last week. Such a phenomenal job that they may feel like we can kind of roll the dice here. We're playing a road game against an NFC team. We've got a big AFC game coming up nine days afterwards. Why don't we just, you know, why don't we let Jeff get good and right? Give him two full weeks to, to get healthy again. And then we'll play him again back at home. That wouldn't shock me at all. And uh, I kind of lean towards that's what they'll do, but it won't surprise me if he gets out there.
1: Yeah, and then we have a couple of guys on this injury report who are looking ready to get back out there. Aaron Brewer, Christian Fulton, and Roger McCurry all off the injury report. So the Titans secondary at least is starting to look more and more like itself maybe for the first time at all this season. Moving on, let's talk about a big key to this game, which will be the running game. I know we've talked about it a lot, but just a couple more stats for you to go into this game. The Titans' run D is allowing an NFL low, 427 yards since week three. That's good for an average of 61 yards per game. And on the other side of the ball, the Packers are allowing the most rush yards since week four, with opposing teams averaging over 150 yards on the ground. Easton, I know I saw earlier today that many of these sports books are putting Derrick Henry's rushing totals at around 98 and a half yards, but how big of a game do you think he will have?
0: It's hard to say against the Broncos last week. I thought that he'd have a bigger game than he had. I feel like this is going to be a Derrick Henry game he's going to want to make up for what was supposed to be a Derrick Henry game in the snow a couple of years ago. It ended up not being the case because they had to play from behind so much. I think the Titans are going to want it to be a Derrick Henry game. Um, and and so I'd be surprised if he has as bad a game as he had against the Broncos. Wouldn't shock me at all. If he goes off for for two touchdowns at all. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't even be remotely surprising. I, <clears throat> if the props are set around 99, Personally, I'd stay away, but if I had, gun to my head, had to choose a side, I'd probably take the over.
1: Let's continue talking about this dominant Titans defense. The Titans will be going for their seventh consecutive game with at least three sacks and an interception. If they were to accomplish that, they'd be on par with another absolutely dominant defense in the 85 Chicago Bears. Easton, do you think they'll be able to do it? And also, what does this say about this defense who has been banged up, but continues to just be on a massive tear
0: listen jt if you do anything that allows somebody to rationally compare you to the 85 bears that's like a joke right like that that's fan freaking tastic if this defense can do that and this defense is the best the titans have had in a long long time they're phenomenal their depth is phenomenal I'm, I'm less, I'm really not all that surprised about the three sacks parts. The three sacks part, it's the one or more interception in each game for six games in a row. I'm, like, having to think back about every interception. It's like, yeah, okay, they did, in that game they did, and like, yeah, okay. The problem is Aaron Rodgers does not throw many interceptions, so I feel like the streak probably comes to an end here, but... I, I probably would have said that weeks ago because uh, this seems unsustainable and they continue to do it week in and week out. Uh, the three sacks part I feel like is a lock. I feel like Rodgers is going to really take a beating in this game if, if he tries to pass much. And if the Titans handle the game that they want to, it'll force the, the Packers to pass more than they want to. One interception in this game would be big. It'd be massive. And to be able to compare them to the 85 Bears would be insanity.
1: Yeah, and let's round out this um, new segment here with a couple of records close to being broken for this Titans team. Of course, we have Ryan Tannehill, who is on the verge of setting a couple records, actually. Tannehill just needs 20 more pass attempts to meet the minimum in which he will then become the Titans all-time leader in passing rating and completion percentage
0: he will also be passing former quarterback Marcus Mariota in both of those right it's it's wild I'm hesitant to talk about these trends because JT do you remember what happened the last time we talked about a Titans or a, a Tannehill trend wasn't good it wasn't good. No, we last trend we talked about with Tannehill was consecutive starts and how he broke the consecutive <laughs> starts record in the game in which he suffered his first injury as a Titan that kept him out for a couple of games. So um, if, if we're talking about how he's been incredibly uh, efficient, he's had a great rating, very low in interceptions, uh, very, very high in completions, like this, th- that might be in this game <laughs> turns into a complete and utter disaster for him. And if so, that's going to be on the media. We'll take that one for talking about all these records and jinxing him. Um, but it's it's fantastic. And listen, Ryan Tannehill, for all the crap that he takes and how this fan base is very lukewarm on him, he's a very good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. We know what he is. He's not great. He's a very, very good quarterback. He remains a top 15 quarterback in the league each and every year, arguably top 10 in certain years. He's a guy that you can win a Super Bowl with. And we I won't go into this in detail because I have a philosophy on this. I'll rant about it one day, but you can win a super bowl with this guy it's not easy it's not gonna be as easy as that with patrick mahomes but it is possible he is good
1: and then finally to finish out this new segment and kind of get out of here so we can all enjoy this game tonight one more ryan on this team funny enough who is record chasing the punter ryan stonehouse yeah. now through 10 weeks has what a, a stud, average of 53.2 yards per punt he outpaces the league record by a whole two yards
0: stonehouse is a stud man he's been fantastic the titans look like they made the absolute right decision moving on from brett kern as much of a legend as he is for the titans and he's still hanging around stonehouse is a a monster and they look like they look like a team that has found their punter for the next 10 years again which is which is phenomenal all right that is it jt with the news thank you very much Let's move into our outro here. And before you go, not just the normal things. Don't click away yet. Two things to get to before the normal things. Um, except because I want to hold you captive and make you listen. I'm going to talk about them after. Here's the normal things. If you're not a Broadway Insider, go subscribe. Got to do that. I'm going to keep it short today. Go subscribe. Cost of a cup of coffee, 99 cents. Use code insider at broadwaysportsmedia.com to get your first month for 99 cents. Code annual to get your first year for $20 off. Just $49.99. Code annual code insider at probably Go and do it. You get all of our fantastic content. The Mike Herndon show out today, a day early because the Titans play the Packers tonight. Go and check it out. I'm the executive producer of that show. I am a, a kind of a co-host with Mike Herndon himself. We talk about ball. If you want to watch that full show, gotta be an insider, but you get the free version on YouTube and you can listen to the first half ish of the show for free. Go and check it out. Also, if you are a small business owner here in Middle Tennessee and you are interested in advertising with us on the show or one of our other podcasts at BroadwaySportsMedia.com or at BroadwaySportsMedia.com on the site with our different articles, we would love to have a chat about that with you. Uh, we have thousands of eyeballs and ears and hundreds of thousands of eyeballs and ears on social media each and every week and month. And so we we would love to be able to utilize our audience to advertise for you, small businesses, local businesses, helping other local businesses please reach out to us and we can just chat about that via email on the website or via social media you can reach out to me or probably sports, Twitter, or really anybody affiliated with the company will direct you in the right place. All right. Now two things. First of all, on the last episode on Monday, we asked a couple of you, uh, we asked all of you actually and got responses from a couple of you. If there's anybody that was listening to this show on the our regular Monday reaction show that, was doing so after having not watched the Titans game, that you were relying on us to tell you what happened. We thought you were sickos, and we wanted to hear from you. We got two responses. The first response was from a guy that I'm familiar with on Twitter, Jacob Sane. He uh, DM'd me. He said, hey there, I'm the sicko who didn't watch the game. <laughs> Jacob, I hope you're listening to this. You asked me to DM you. I live in Missouri now, so I don't get to watch many games live. I did listen to the Titans broadcast with NFL+. Plus." And with that, I'm able to watch the game after it's over. However, my wife and I both got the flu this weekend. Sorry, hope you feel better. So listening to a recap pod is about all the energy I had for today. Thanks for the timeliness of your recap pod. It definitely gives me something to look forward to on Mondays unless we lose, in which case, I usually need some time. Yeah, we know some of you need some time because our numbers are down with the Titans lose. You should just, you should just bathe in your hatred for the Titans when they lose by listening to the show. Don't avoid it. Confront it head on. It's better for you. It's healing and all of that. We also heard from all right. I found it. Kyle Mordecai at the Mords 32 on Twitter tweeted me on Monday uh, at five o'clock. He said at East and Freeze, I just finished the episode from today and I feel personally attacked. I did not watch the game. I was working. How dare you make money and not watch the Titans? Uh, I, you should do what I do. I make money watching the Titans. It's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, I. Uh, but anyway, thanks for keeping me up to date. Titan up, he said. Um, <laughs> so thank you to Kyle and Jacob for being the sickos that listen to our show. I don't know whether to be disappointed in you or proud of you for allowing us to be your source of recap. We're a good source of recap, but maybe just, you know, watch the highlights or something, watch the game. Um, but, hey, this is a great place to come. If you didn't get to watch the game and you need a recap, we do, I, I really do think we, I know we have the most timely review uh, of the Titans game in all of radio, podcast, video, all of national media. We have the first each and every week that you're going to find We also, I think, have the best and most comprehensive. So great choices all around. Last thing that I got to tell you, and we got to shout out the third person here: if you are not subscribed to the show, what are you doing? Don't listen to shows you're not subscribed to. That's dangerous. It's like taking candy from strangers. Get to know them first, and then take the candy. Get to know us, subscribe. We'll be acquainted, and then take our delicious content and listen to it. Bathe your ears in it each and every week, and don't miss a show. But you got to be subscribed. And if you're subscribed via Apple Podcasts, please go leave leave a five-star review and rating. Uh, you can rate it five stars and then review it with anything you'd like, say whatever you'd like, please. I'm, we're begging. We're asking very kindly. We've been asking every single show takes you 10 seconds. It means much more to us than it does to you. Please go and do that. And we had somebody go do that. Uh, Sir Tim, Sir T. M Lee. sorry for butchering your name there, but they left us a five-star review on Tuesday saying it took 10 weeks of me asking nicely. See, persistence pays off sometimes, kids. I finally caved to give a five-star review. Been a follower of Music City Miracles and now Broadway Sports Media for a while. Good publications. And finally stumbled upon the Broadway Sports Media podcasts at the start of the season. Good timing. Love how they don't scream their takes unlike some other shows. Stillman, for example. He's somebody I have no shame in uh, dumping on on this show repeatedly. Um, I think that he's not very good, and he definitely screams his takes. Many others do as well. It's not just him. Both JT and Easton are very eloquent. I agree with most of that and have <laughs> No, not to throw JT under the bus. We both uh struggle with English sometimes, but we appreciate the compliment. And they Easton and JT are very eloquent and have balanced insights that are rational at least to me. Well, you sound very rational and intelligent and handsome, sir. Um I think that you are correct and uh, a fantastic person. This parts fascinating and I'll read it just for fun because it's as we said we'd read anything you write. And so he wrote it so we're going to read it. Not really a critique, but a question slash suggestion. Is there anything in the works for breaking down more Titans analytics, despite the actual team eschewing analytics, true, that go into more X's and O's? Things like interpreting trends of Titans offensive personnel for games, 11 versus 22 personnel, for example, and coverage trends such as cover two versus cover three. I do watch the Mike Kerndon show. Good man. As well, but a lot of it seems more like bashing or praising one player in a play for two hours, but I would rather have a more comprehensive take at how the Titans prepare and execute for their opponents. FYI, I also follow James Foster, friend of the show, and he is fantastic, but I would prefer some kind of show in this format, keep up the good work, and tighten up. First of all, very thoughtful and kind. I think this review may have taken a little bit more than 10 seconds, like 15 or 20 We appreciate your time and your effort, and it means a lot to us, sir. We appreciate the feedback as well. If those of you listening to the show right now would appreciate more shows from Broadway Sports Media in that context, let us know. And we might get something in the works if there's some demand for that because I find that fascinating as well. We might integrate that a little bit into the Mike Kernden show because there's room for that. We could talk a little bit about the schemes in the film that we that we listen to. But hey, feedback is a gift. We appreciate anything positive or negative. You can tear us a new one for hating the show. I don't know why you'd leave a five-star review, but do it. Leave a five-star review and tell us we suck. It'd be really funny, and we'll read it on air. All right, until Friday, until tomorrow, if you're listening on Thursday, which you, you should be because the game is tonight, people. I am Easton Freeze. For JT, this has been the Hot Reap Podcast. We'll talk to you reviewing all things Titans Packers on Thursday Night Football as soon as we can on Friday, hopefully by noon at the very latest. Until then, this has been the Hot Reap Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow.